Amen. Thank you so much for that. Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning. Go to Jeremiah 38. My name is Bill Norton. I'm pastor of Clearview Baptist Church in Heber Springs, Arkansas. We were missionaries. My wife and I we were missionaries for 26 years. We spent our first two years in Colombia, South America, and then nine years in Argentina and the last 13 years in Mexico. But we've been back in the States now for about five years. Uh, just right before Christmas, it'll be five years. And believe it or not, I'm originally from this area. I'm from Washington, D.C. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. Amen? But I'm originally from Washington, D.C., and, and people would tell me, said, Brother Norton, when you go to the mission field and you learn Spanish, you're going to slow down because I talk really fast. Uh, I speak Spanish just as fast as I do English. And uh, so I do speak fast, and I'm going to speak fast this morning. But I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Pastor Pittman, for the opportunity to be here at Temple Baptist Church. It's good to be in God's house. And we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 38 this morning. Jeremiah 38. And you're thinking, well, this is a missions emphasis Sunday. And it is. Uh, and you can find missions just about anywhere in the Bible. And by the way, the story that we're going to look at this morning here in Jeremiah 38, it illustrates missions. What is missions? It's getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out to a lost and dying world. And we'll find that here illustrated in Jeremiah chapter 38. Now, if you'll follow along with me here in Jeremiah 38, I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. If you're still with me this morning, would you say amen? Okay, Jeremiah 38 and verse 6, the Bible says this, Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Himelech, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords, in, uh, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Now when Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin. Ebed-Melech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from thence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him, and went into the house of the king under the treasury, and took thence, out, uh, took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags, and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clots and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him up out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. Father, we do love you. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here in your house. And Father, I pray that you'd use me. You know my limitations, my inabilities. And so, Father, I pray that you would just fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit of God, that you would use this message, uh, Father, on this Missions Emphasis Sunday, just to stir our hearts once again for your heart. And your heart is missions. It is seeing people uh, come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Father, if there's someone lost here this morning, I do pray for their salvation and stir our hearts as only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start off this morning by asking you this question. Does anybody here have a bucket list? There's quite a few hands. A, a bucket list. These are things that you, you want to do but before you die. And I've been talking about my wife here recently because when you're younger, you think, oh, you know, I want to do that someday. I, I, I want to do that someday. 
I want to do that someday, but as you get older, you realize that someday is, is getting further and further away. You don't have enough years left to get to someday. But there's things that I have on, on my bucket list, things that I want to do uh, before I die. But, but listen, you and I, we do not know when we're going to die, but we all do know this. We are going to die one day. And here we see Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in prison. A dungeon to be exact, and he is going to die. So something must be done to rescue him before he dies. And that's going to be the title of the message this morning, Before They Die. Jeremiah has been placed in a prison, in a dungeon. There's no bread. He's sinking in the mire, and Jeremiah is going to die. Now, I want to transition a little bit to this fellow named Ebed-Melech. Now, you may pronounce his name a little different. But Ebed-Melech is not a household name, uh, not even in Christian homes. Uh, some folks, sure, they, they know about him. However, it's not common to hear his name mentioned in sermons. But I guarantee you this, Jeremiah knew who he was. And Jeremiah was very thankful for Ebed-Melech. And I also know this, that God knew his name because God blessed Ebed-Melech and he sent him a personal message. And that message that God sent him is here recorded in the Word of God. So Ebed-Melech is here, Jeremiah is in prison, but God is going to bring those two together. And that is going to be the illustration of missions this morning. But I can tell you something else about Ebed-Melech. He was, uh, he was a kind of man that could get the job done. And we, when we have a job that needs to be done and needs to be done right with all the details, uh, we know uh, we go always to a certain person. Is that not right? If there's something that needs to be done and it's a detailed job and it's got to be done within a certain time frame, we go to that person because we know this person knows how to follow instructions. They're very detailed and they'll get it done. And basically, we can just scratch it off our list because they'll get it done. Ebed-Melech was one of these guys. Ebed-Melech knew how to get a job done. Now, here's the situation in the background. Jeremiah has been preaching the Word of God. His message was one of condemnation, one of the coming destruction of Judah due to their sinful behavior. And his message was not well received. As a matter of fact, they accused Jeremiah of seeking the hurt of the people and not their welfare. They got so angry with Jeremiah that they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill the prophet Jeremiah, but they, they opted for uh, putting him in prison and letting him stay there in prison and basically uh, dying a slow death there in prison. So this is where Jeremiah is at this time. You say, well, where does Ebed-Melech and, and Jeremiah come together? It, it's right here in this passage of Scripture. If you'll go back with me to verse 7, and we'll get started here this morning. Verse 7, Jeremiah 38, 7 says this, Now when Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs uh, which was in the king's house, heard, it's a very important word, it says heard that they uh, had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin. First of all, this morning we see Ebed-Melech's reaction. He heard about the plight of Jeremiah. He heard that these men had put Jeremiah in the prison, that Jeremiah is there and he's going to die, that something has to be done. He heard about the plight of Jeremiah. And listen, he became concerned. 
He was concerned for the prophet. He did not want the prophet to die there in the dungeon. And let me ask you this morning, are we concerned about our lost loved ones? Are we concerned about those that will die with Christ, without Christ, that live in the regions beyond? We're here in Virginia, but what about people outside of the state of Virginia, outside of the United States of America, on the other side of our border, or past our borders, that live all over the world that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here is Ebed Melech's reaction when he heard about the plight of Jeremiah, and he became concerned. I've been in a lot of missions conferences through the years. I remember being in a missions conference, and there was a, a, a Russian pastor was there at the missions conference. His daughter translated. And so as he's telling us about Russia, and the, Russia the former Soviet Union, and his daughter's translating, it got to a point in uh, this Sunday school hour where it was a Q&A, question and answer time. And there was a young man that stood up with a question. And he asked this question, and the question was answered. And he never sat back down. He asked another question, and the question was answered. Then he asked another question, and the question was answered. Finally, the pastor got up and said, son, go ahead and sit down. Let someone else ask the questions. We'll, get you, we'll give you an opportunity to talk with this pastor afterwards. You see, this is what was going on in his heart and his life. He had heard about Russia. He had heard about the need to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to Russia. And listen, if you're my age or older, you know what it was like with the Soviet Union years ago. But here is a young man thinking, wait a minute, I, I hear about their plight. I hear about the need. And he became concerned. And God eventually called that young man to go and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to Russia. Why? Because he heard about their plight. I'm an identical twin. Uh, Brother Adam, the missionary is here. He's a fraternal twin, but I'm an identical twin. Church, I, I, I married an identical twin. You have an identical twin that married an identical twin. But I'm the older one. I'm five minutes older than my brother. And if you know anything about twins, five minutes count. Every one of them. Now, my wife is the younger one. She is seven minutes younger than her twin sister. And let me just answer this question because if I don't answer this question right now, no one else is going to listen to the rest of the message. Our twins did not marry each other. Okay. But think about if they did. I mean, kids that are genetically the same, I mean, that's just mind-boggling. Anyway, so here's, I'm an identical twin. My wife's an identical twin. And God used a set of identical twins from Columbia to speak to my heart about the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ in Columbia. Living in, I'm originally, well, I was born in Washington, D.C. I'm a PG County boy. Don't get scared about that, okay? I'm from PG County, and our church there, uh, these, this couple came, or this family came, and there were the two uh, Colombian girls. They were from Cali, Cali, Colombia. And I just as I got to know them and I talked with them, and they told me about Columbia, and I just started to ask one question after another, after another, after another. You see, when I heard about Columbia, in the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you can go basically anywhere, and there's a need for a church. God used that. Here is Ebed-Melech, and he hears about Jeremiah. Jeremiah's in the prison, and his reaction was to be concerned about the plight of Jeremiah. Are you concerned when you hear about the plight of the lost? 
there is something else that's mentioned in, in chapter 38 here three times. The Bible says, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. And, and I'm one of those guys, I like to go over the passage over and over again, but three times. Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. When the Holy Spirit of God repeats something over and over in the Word of God, everything's important, but he's trying to drive a point home here. Here is Ebed-Melech, and he is concerned about someone that is not even of his own nation. He, here is a man that, wait a minute, here, here is Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is going to die, and, and he's concerned about that, and now he has compassion on him, a man that's not even of the same nation. And church, I can tell you this this morning, we can have that same kind of compassion that, that uh, Ebed-Melech had for Jeremiah. Why? Because we know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We know what he's done in our hearts and lives and how he touches us, and he gives us compassion not only for people of our own country, but people all around the world because they need Jesus Christ. Ebed-Melech was concerned about Jeremiah. He had compassion on Jeremiah. Jude 22 says, and of some have compassion making a difference. Ebed-Melech heard about the plight of Jeremiah while he was in the king's house. But look at the second thing here real quick, verse 8 says, Ebed-Melech, next two, verse, two words there, went forth. Ebed-Melech not only reacted uh, to what uh, he heard about Jeremiah, but now we see his action. Ebed-Melech's action was that he, he went forth. He, he stood up purposing to do something. He, he didn't just propose or plan to help. The Bible says that he went forth. Praise God for those that are and do more than just good intentions. And it's like, oh man, hey, that's a bummer, your situation there. Hey, you're, 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 in, you're in jail, you're in the dungeon, you're sinking in the mire, and hey, things don't look well for you, you're probably going to die. If I could do something, no, no, he's, his action here is, is he went forth. He did something. He went forth from the king's house, and back in verse 8 it says there, and, he, and, he, and spake to the king, saying, he went forth, and he spoke to the king about the plight of Jeremiah. Ebed-Melech's action was one of speaking to the king on behalf of Jeremiah and of going forth to rescue Jeremiah. Folks, this is missions in the Old Testament. Everything we're seeing here, you hear about the plight of the lost, those that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, and you react to that by becoming concerned and having compassion. But then there's an action. There's got to be a going forth. It's not enough just to... Here, he goes forth. He speaks to the king. And would to God that you and I and that all of us would speak to the king of kings about the plight of those that are going to die in the prison house of sin. I'm no longer in Colombia, but I can still pray for the Colombians. I'm no longer in Argentina, but I can still pray for them. I can still pray for, for the Mexicans. And Lord willing, I'll be back here next Sunday. I'll be preaching in a church that I pastored for 13 years in a missions conference. But I can still pray for them. And all of us here, we can pray for the folks that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior that are in the prison house of sin. He went out, he went forth, and he spoke to the king. We see Ebed-Melech's reaction and his action, but I'm glad that he was not satisfied with a participation certificate. 
He's going to do something else. His satisfaction would be nothing less than the salvation, physical salvation of Jeremiah. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, the Word of God says this, And Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast cloths and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Church, they attempted to reach Jeremiah to rescue him from certain death. But I don't know if you, if you uh, saw what I saw here in verse 9. But go back here in verse 9. It says, My Lord the King... These men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast in the dungeon, and he is like to die for hunger in the place, next three words, where he is. Church, they had, Ebed-Melech had to go where Jeremiah was in order to reach Colombians for Christ. We had to go to Colombia. You have to go where they are. They, they had to go uh, where he was, and they had to get him. And verse 10 says this, Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from thence uh, thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon. And here's the next three words here, before he die. So they have to go where he is, and they've got to get to Jeremiah before he dies. Is that not true with the gospel of Jesus Christ? I am so thankful for my twin brother that came to me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He invited me over and over and over and over to go to church. Hey, come to church, come to church. My life was good. I had money. I had season tickets to the Washington Capitals, had a brand new Camaro, had a pickup truck, had a speedboat, had money, had all of that, but there was that void in my life. And my brother, he was insistent. He went where I was, and he wanted to get to me before I died without Jesus Christ. Ebed-Melech does exactly that. He, he, he reacts, and then he acts and goes forth, and he says, wait a minute, I am not going to be satisfied until I get Jeremiah out of the prison house. I don't want him to die. I've got to get to him before he dies. And folks, we get satisfied with too little. We, 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 we react, and then we act a little bit, but we never get to the point where we go where they are and get to them before they die. Now, let me say this. We have a, a saying in Spanish that your pesos can go where your pies, your feet can't go. By giving to missions, you can go where you'll never go. By helping missionaries to go where they are before they die. There is a, a young man... Um, in our church, uh, he's no longer in our church, he's out of our church there in Mexico. His name is Omar. Omar, when I first met Omar, um, he didn't like me. I can tell you're shocked. He didn't like me. He was lost. Basically, the story is this. His, uh, his parents told him, uh, his uh, sister, she had trusted Christ as Savior, and she wanted to go to our youth camp. And in order for her to be able to go to youth camp, her older brother Omar had to go. And so Omar comes to me. He knocks on the door. I meet him in the yard there, and we're, we're talking. And he's like, you know, Pastor, quiero ir al campamento. Pastor, I want to go to the camp. And I said, okay. I said, here are the rules for camp. And I went through the list and gave him. And I said, now, if you don't obey the rules of the camp, then uh, we will put you on a bus and send you back home. 
And it was just like that. He said, okay. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. He went. Now listen, to, folks, he went to camp. The second night at camp, God got a hold of his heart. He trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. Man, that, that, that young man got on fire for God. He, he, he came back to church. Uh, Omar, we baptized him. He, he went out to Bible college for a couple years, and we started a Bible college. He came back. He was our first graduate from our Bible college in Ixmiquilpan Hidalgo. We married him. There was a young lady in our church. He got sweet on her. He married her. They have three precious little girls today. They are on the mission field. They're in South Korea today. He texted me. He's praying for me this morning. And folks, I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is because there were churches in America that they heard about the plight of Mexicans. And they said, wait a minute, we've got to go forth. Brother Norton is going, you know what, we're going to help him go so that our church can go forth and they can go to the Mexicans where they are before they die. And Omar trusted Christ as a Savior before he died. His wife knows Jesus Christ as a Savior. And Lord willing, their little girls are going to know Christ. And he has won so many people to the Lord. Praise God for that. But all that has to happen before they die. When we were in, in Argentina, and we lived in the central part of Argentina uh, for several years, and then we moved down to uh, the southern part. We lived in a city called Comodoro Rivadavia. Th this city is so far south that for us, the, the Australians are Yankees. I mean, it's, it's way down there. And, uh, but we were living in the central part of Argentina, uh, we were having our church service, and after the church service, there was a family in our church that said, Pastor, there's a, name, uh, a lady, her name's Pearl, I'll do, that's the, in English, her name's Pearl, and she's real sick, she's in the hospital, could you go visit her, she's, she's not saved, and I said, sure, and so I went to the hospital, and it, it's interesting, you can do things in, in other places that you can't do here, and as long as you act like you know what you're doing, you can walk through, it doesn't have to be visiting time, hours, and I, so I walked through, and I got to her room, and I'm in there talking with her room, her father was in there, and so I'm making a little bit of small talk with her, and I talk with her, uh, and, and I start to witness to her. And God was working, and then something happened. She, she was very sick. Something happened. She called for the nurse. The nurse came in, asked me to leave, and I was never able to go back into the room. And I said, okay, I, I've got you know, to find her. I've, I've got to get back. I've got to talk to her. Well, I went back to the hospital to see her again, but they had uh, already released her from the hospital. So, okay, where does she live? I found out where she lived. I went to her house. And so here I am sitting in her house, and this is very common in Latin America that they'll have a little store in their homes. And she had a little store in her home, but we're sitting here at the kitchen table, and we're drinking mate. That's Argentine tea. And so I'm talking with her, and I'm witnessing to her. And it seemed like every two to three minutes, someone came in the store. And she's like, I'll be right back. So I'm just... Father, please, if we could just get a little bit of uninterrupted un time so that, so that I can tell Pearl about you. And, and this, this went on a little bit, and then finally she came back, and I started to give her the gospel. No one else came in the store, and right there at her kitchen table, Pearl accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. But the story doesn't end there. Pearl trusted Christ as her Savior. About a week later, I went back to the house to visit her, to encourage her to come to church. 
There was no answer. No one was home. So I went back to the family in our church and said, hey, do you know anything about Pearl? What, what, what's going on? I said, Pastor, she's sick. She's back in the hospital. Go back to the hospital. Pearl passed away. I was thinking to myself that the church, we were able to get to Pearl where she was before she died. That's missions. That's Ebed Melek, someone that's not even of the same nation, but says this man is going to die. He reacts to what he heard. He acts upon that, but he was not satisfied until he rescued Jeremiah from certain death. And church, that's exactly where we're at. Six months past your missions conference, missions emphasis. It's once again for God to stir a fire in our hearts. You know, that money I've been giving to missions, you know, I need to be faithful. I need to continue to give because the missionaries are out there and they need to be there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ where those folks are before they die. You're thinking about that. Every one of us today, know that one day we will die. We don't know when that day's coming. But are you prepared to meet the Lord? You're here today. We are at where you're at. And we're here and you're still alive. You're still breathing. You still have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. That He'll forgive you your sins. it will give you eternal life. That is the wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because you're still alive and because you're still breathing, today could be the day of your salvation for, the, have the good news, or for you to receive the good news into your heart before you die. Because once you die, it's too late. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Ebed-Melech, God told him, touched his heart, I should say, to reach Jeremiah, to go where he was with the good news, with all that the king had uh, given to Ebed-Melech to reach Jeremiah. And boy, he was not satisfied until he got him up out of the prison. Church, we've got to get to the lost where they are before they die. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask a few questions this morning before I turn over to Pastor. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Norton, I, I, I don't know about this salvation. The truth is, if something were to happen to me, I do not know where I would spend eternity. Brother Norton, would you pray for me this morning? Would you just slip up your hand real quick? Is there anyone like that this morning? Just slip up your hand real quick. I do not know. Is there someone here this morning that would say, Brother Norton, I, I, I've been kind of hit and miss on, on my faith promise uh, giving. And the Lord has spoken to my heart. I know I need to continue to give. Brother Norton, would you pray for me this morning? Is anyone here like that this morning? Okay. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would work in the midst uh, of this church and the congregation. Father, that you would speak to hearts. You would do what only you can do. And Father, I pray that everything that would be done would be for the furtherance of the gospel so that many more people could hear about Jesus Christ before it's eternally uh, too late. And Father, we ask this in the name that's above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Pastor, would you come?